Back with with candidates, and we're starting with Keati Rollins Fernandez. I know this is kind of out of order. I mean, I, I know I talked to quite a few other people before Keati, but I won. I wanted to say that we're we're going to be very Maui centric with these follow ups first because I felt I didn't do enough service to you know to my home in that sense. So I felt that like trying to get in with all the people running for council first for Maui would be my first duty. So I wanted to have you on. Thank you for coming, Keati. Absolutely, my pleasure. So, um, since you're the first one here, post uh, primaries, um, I, I really just to like to dig in your perspective on, on on the outcome in general first. You know, just a, a little mm. bit of a, like how do you how do you feel that from your perspective of of those running in in your group or just voter turnout and engagement for uh, for this vote? How do you feel about it? Yeah, you know, so I did a deep dive analysis on the last um, midterm election, so non-presidential year election, and I I believe it was about 36%, and uh, this year's primary election was down um, about 34% of of turnout, and, you know, that's with mail-in. Last election year, it was the, the the biggest turnout we had in 20 years. And that's, you know, a lot of people credited the mail-in ballots to such a huge turnout. So I really expected there to be more of a, you know, a higher voter turnout uh, in this primary because, again, we have, you know, the mail-in. And I, I was kind of surprised, uh, but at the same time with all the, distrust yes i was Um, about to ask that how do you feel that with like so this is this is kind of been a a disconcerting problem for me is because the the continent Mm -hmm. really has moved on past a lot of this i found that hawaii is kind of stuck in this q hole if you will (laughs) and it's kind of gotten weird because like Mm -hmm. they're stuck because like i spent half of my year working on the mainland still for for the industry so like you know, I, I see enough of it in public and then I'm regularly exposed to news outside of Hawaii. And I've got to say that, like, we're still kind of stuck in sound bites from, like, when Trump was still president. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that even the Trumpublicans have moved on from or just not fighting anymore that, like, it's kind of gotten us stuck in the weeds because it infected both sides because there's been mm-hmm. enough kind of ongoing distrust with government in general being mm-hmm. Hawaiian. So it wasn't kind of that hard of a stretch to like really break that open. So do you, do you feel that's made enough of an impact on the community? I, yeah, you know, um, I think with a lot of those that um, were against the vaccines and against the mask mandates, they capitalize on those movements to uh, get candidates to run in every election. And, you know, I mean, props to them, you know, they, they use that organizing wisely to get so many people out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there, there wasn't a whole lot of votes for most of the candidates, yeah. but they were able to get a lot of candidates in uh, most of the races. Um, it didn't impact so much those that, uh, you know, so far like Democrats, 
um, and in the um, nonpartisan races, you know, those that um, weren't part of uh, those uh, positions, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, more of the votes went toward uh, those that really spoke to um, what majority of the, the community uh, are more interested in hearing about because as you you know aptly stated out uh, stated it's um, a lot of America has kind of moved on and you know Hawaii was kind of you know with with um, some of you know even the gubernatorial candidates and them now protesting <laughs> the results yeah is- well I mean I mean that was bound to happen I mean that's part of the disinformation yeah. cycle you know and then it's <laughs> But and then but the numbers are cut and clear, you know. And then for me, from a, you know, from a punditry standpoint, from a talking head standpoint, I really have to say that like <laughs> knowing what some of these guys are spending, having interviewed them, or at least spending the time looking at their at least their public expenditures, like it's like, bro, how did you think you were gonna get more than three thousand votes if you? You know, never showed up for a stump speech. You only got wild on the radio once and you spent like a thousand dollars on a yard sign. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think there is some disillusionment still in just the whole process. I mean, but then again, we we still kind of live in an age where people think that if you have a dot com, then the whole world can see you. You know, <laughs> so like I feel that there's some of these candidates that kind of just like, well, I've got six thousand facebook followers you know i mean i felt that that's Mm -hmm. really what bit bj penn in the butt because he has Mm -hmm. all these mma followers and so we thought yeah i'm gonna win this election it's like bro you have more followers than there are people that can vote right now those are obviously Mm -hmm. not people from your state that are cheering you on they're just weird you know anti-mail-in ballad QAnon Mm -hmm. guys you know right I mean, it's, you can't so distrust in the in in the voting system and then also ask the same people to vote for you. Yes, I, it, you know it doesn't really work yes. out. Yes. So I yeah I, I I absolutely think there's you know there there's going to be quite a few of these guys that are going to be fighting to stop the steal. But as it, it proved on, on on the continent that like it's not it's not really like it's getting laughed out of a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we're also finding yep. in in a lot of cases that for what you know, tampering there is, it's on that side of the fence. So it's not really mm-hmm. helping their case when they go investigate. And then it finds out that they're the ones who did it. So, <laughs> but enough about the insanity of the election itself. Um, how do you feel in any of this has, has benefited you and your candidacy? How do you, how's your outlook for, uh, for November? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, um, for, or for, for council races, um, the top two vote getters move on to the general election and do not even appear on the primary election ballot. I was contacted multiple times, um, you know, uh, with, with people kind of freaking out, like, where are you on the ballot? I want to vote for you. (laughs) And explaining, you know, the process for uh, council races. Um, And because there were only two, uh, we, we just don't appear on the primary election ballot and we go straight to the general election ballot. And that's the same for the East Maui race and the West Maui race, uh, as well as the central. Oh, sorry, Wailuku. So there were only two candidates and then we just went straight to the general election. Um, what the, the pattern, you you know, usually show is um, uh, close to about double the amount of people who come out in the who vote in the primary election will then, you know, will vote in the general election. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, you know, I myself in my 20s didn't understand the whole, you know, how primary and general elections were, why you would have to vote twice. And um, I remember thinking to myself, I'm just going to, you know, wait until the general election to vote, not understanding that for the partisan races, that that's the end of the line. So if, if those partisan candidates don't make it through and, you know, because it's a, you know, heavy democratic state, uh, for those running as a Democrat, which is the majority of candidates, uh, that is their their election. That's that's the end. If they don't win, then they don't. Then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, for my own race, um, I, I I think um, I'm 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 feeling good. I'm feeling optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, one of the things that uh, is is a little concerning um, is that we're losing uh, two of the council members that uh, generally vote in favor of our, you know, community's position uh, that aren't as heavily influenced by, you know, the, the industries, whether it's the tourism industry, the um, construction, um, real estate, um, you know, basically corporations and that will vote in favor of our um, community members to protect our quality of life. So, so two two of our council members um, ran for mayor and um, didn't uh, make it through the primary. Um, and so those two seats will now be filled um, by you know we're not sure who is going to end up filling them, and um, that will affect. Um, the dynamics of the council. Mm. So, with that being said, dynamics <laughs> to play. What have you got in your playbook to to offer up for that? So, I, I know we've got we got a lot of ground to cover to the point where I'm going to have to have you back on more than just this once. So, <laughs> we don't make sure that that's happening. There's quite a few of you that like we we need your monato on the air. We need you know any sound bites that we can get to just like respread. I feel there's not enough of it. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, let's, let's dig into the weeds then. So, um, speaking of, of those industries, let's, uh, let's start with tourism, you know, um, what, so, I mean, there, there was that, <laughs> that recent civil beat article that they did, they, they finally <laughs> did the mayoral interview for Victorino, um and and it kind of like walked around the subject of i know it's good but i know it's bad but it's a civil beat so we got to pad both sides so i mean what's what's your brass tax solution for like how do we get out of this this weird tourism hole that we're in especially since everybody recognizes how over capacity we are yet uh-huh. now that there's like because the screws are being put on certain people they're like oh but we could still make room like why how does that make sense to anybody at this time mm-hmm. yep no absolutely and i think um when we say everyone um we're not including you know the the those leaders in the tourism industry um, because as they've stated in testimony that um, they're they're not in favor of reducing the amount of tourists coming, even though the community has stated like, you know, we're experiencing over tourism mm-hmm. um, and it's close to the levels of pre-pandemic. I, I think that's what they last reported. Yeah. Um, 
and we'll soon be over that. And pre-pandemic, it, it was it was it was too much. Uh, it you know it, and so capping you know so we passed a moratorium mm-hmm. on uh, new tourism accommodations. So um, for up to the next you know uh, for two years. So we're about um, almost a year ish <laughs> into the two years and um and the goal in um during this moratorium was to figure out um how to better control uh tourism that's under the jurisdiction of the county because there's a lot that's beyond the jurisdiction of the county such as um you know, flights. So that's under, you know, federal government jurisdiction. So we, we can't stop planes from coming and bringing more tourists. And one of the things that is under our control is land use. Um, and so, you know, leaving it up to the industry to determine when enough is enough is it has has shown that they're really isn't much of a line it'll it'll keep growing because there's such a demand Mm -hmm. for Maui and you know I mean it's completely understandable um Maui is gorgeous um you know the people are beautiful and uh who who wouldn't want to go and vacation there um but with the you know the the discounts with cheap airfare oh yeah no in um, in the in the same mm -hmm. Instagram feed that I can get a you know, something going, hey, be kind to where you 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 go on your vacations or like awareness mm-hmm. of indigenous peoples. Like two seconds after that on the scroll is like Hawaii Tourism Authority and then Hawaiian Airlines and then like scuba molokini, something like that. Like it, it just like because like they the tourism industry knows it can latch onto those same things and sell to that same channel. Because that that data just keeps them riding alongside each other, so they, they're they're always in our purview. I just uh, I don't know. I'm I'm getting kind of on a tangent here about it, but I I feel that there's just not there's not enough awareness to the point to where that I notice that some people are like, but where else are we gonna get the money? And so like what what do you say to to all the people that use the same lame duck excuse of like, well, how do you get out of it if it's the only thing we got? Well, we need to invest in other industries the way that we have historically invested in tourism. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that this council has done, you know, Um, prior to, what is it, 2018, 2017, uh, the council and the administration uh, appropriated $4 million to the Maui Visitors Bureau every year. Now, imagine if we invested that much into our you know small businesses into our um into our agriculture oh yes uh, so that, money you know. for agriculture <laughs> yeah no I, and, I mean it's it's i i'm still confused how low the ag budget is across the board in a state mm-hmm. so lush but i know that's exactly. a conversation for another day <laughs> <laughs> i could go down that rabbit hole with you too yes absolutely <laughs> but, you know but but we did you know we 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 stopped um, appropriating that four million, that automatic four million dollars every every year, um, and we invested uh, what was it about two million dollars into micro grants for those that are producing food, our, our farmers, mm-hmm. and what a big difference it's already made. Yeah, 
it, it's boosted our, you know, food security and food independence. Um, so that when, if, when the barges, you know, um, stop coming uh, for whatever, you know, temporary time, um, you know, we, we have food for to feed ourselves. So um, I think over-relying on tourism, we saw during the pandemic uh, that Maui had the highest um, unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. And that should be a lesson for us. And, you know, this council has been looking at investing more into healthcare, into education to um, help retool for um, maybe, you know, more online work. Um, film is film industry is always a big one um, that the council would, you know, like to invest more in. And thank you for your help in, in trying to get that kind of investment here so that we are boosting um, that industry. Because the tourism industry is so overly bloated, when we talk about, you know, diversifying, it it's near impossible for any other industry to reach the 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 size. Yes, no, because yeah, I mean you're you're and trading, so, you know, tourism you're trading dollars for nickels down. in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 we're, we're not gonna find a balance when, you know, tourism is just so huge. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go right ahead. So yeah. So you know, um, one of the things that we can do is to um, cap the tourism accommodations across the board. Um, it's it's not it's not a permanent moratorium. It has it has flexibility. Um, and we already have this model with residential zone areas. Mm-hmm. And I know when I start talking zoning, it's kind of like a foreign language. And then everybody's but, eyes glaze um... over. <laughs> <laughs> but in residential zoned areas, we have caps, uh, you know, in uh, community plan areas or, or different districts. Um, and that that's, that's been working. Um, so, you know, short-term rentals, uh, B&Bs, just capping that number mm-hmm. in residential zone areas, and then looking at other zone areas that allow for transit accommodation, so vacation rentals, um, such as the apartment zone. Um, and th- this is one of the zones that I, I think sometimes um, people may confuse that it's residential, but it's actually apartment. And so they think that... Um, you know, vacation rental is not allowed in in that area, but it actually is hmm. because it's apartment zone. It's not residential. Interesting. Right. And so, you know, some of the things that we've accomplished, um, you know, in, 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 in less than four years um, was uh, working with the platforms like Airbnb, VRBO, um, Prior to this legislation, there was no like permit or way of knowing if the um, a short-term rental was uh, permitted or, or legal or not. Yeah. Um, and so we passed legislation that requires all um, clients, all, all of the um, short-term rental owners to have the TMK listed and then... Um, Airbnb found over 3,000 
I believe, uh, that did not was not permitted. So it what what's happening is it's helping us to get um, more long term housing instead of um, using you know commodifi- commodifying our our housing for offshore investments. And that's something that you know like that's one of the impacts that tourism is having on our community that is devastating our community. It's it's pricing our you know generational families out yeah people don't realize like on on the largest scale like how much tourism can affect an economy in the sense of just like cost of living uh you know how how bare resource mm-hmm. systems get and then that drives costs up and then you know it's just it, it really causes a lot of inequity cycles and then it's it's harder to break every time you try to get out of it exactly so with um, you know, like you you mentioned um, the Hawaii Tourism Authority, and like annually they are required to do um, a resident sentiment survey, and more and more uh, residents have been indicating that you know the trade off isn't worth it, that the the impacts outweigh the benefits. Mm-hmm. And so you know we need to listen to our community and and you know, better manage it, scale it down uh, to something that's more manageable. Um, And, you know, we don't, we don't have a a county level commission and that's something that um, I've introduced. And then that way our community members uh, can work directly with council administration um, on managing, you know, areas, um, recommending policies, or budget items, or improving existing programs, or introducing new programs that will really um, improve our resident quality of life. Right on. So you you mentioned in, in the tourism management, you know, uh, uh, how it, it would affect housing. I, I'd like to, to definitely go down that road some more, and just housing in general, like. So where 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 is Maui looking right now? As far as like what how. I mean, is the outlook bleak right now? Are we on the right track or is there more to be done or how can we do it? You know, um, some people want to build houses and we want to house people. So um, it's not only about build, build, build. Um, There are a lot of housing units on Maui Island. The problem is the commodification Mm -hmm. of our our housing. Um, and so s- some of the things that we've been working on as, as I, you know, talked about in the, um, the last time we talked, sorry, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is reforming our property taxes so that, um, there's more relief for our residents and the industry that is supposed to be, you know, creating jobs, generating revenue, um, is paying more of their fair share. Um, some other ideas that one idea that we just um, incorporated into a housing project today is a deed restriction that would require the housing be owner occupied in perpetuity, meaning that it could not be um, sold to you know as as to a speculator mm. as an investment property. Mm. And that helps to bring, you know, keep the value 
down because when you can, you know, profit off of our housing stock, then that's when the, the you know, housing median um, sales price, you know, skyrockets because um, you can, it has more value. So you can sell it for more because someone can then use it to make money off of. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if it's just being used to shelter people, then, you know, the value kind of, you know, stays a little more stable um, because it limits um, the ways that this house can now be used and um, it'll prevent offshore speculation because you have to live in that in that house. Um, and we see across America, um, you know, Wall Street corporations buying up huge inventories mm-hmm. of housing. And it's, you know, they're horrible landlords. Um, and they're only doing it to, you know, profiteer. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not to help people. No, it's not. I mean, you look at New York, and I mean, you got to have, I mean, you, you, the, the average person is considered to have to have 40 times rent to, to sign on an apartment in, in most parts of New York City, you know? And if you don't have 40 times rent, you have to find a guarantor who has 80 times. So it always leads you to have a bank signing on you. It's not like your grandma can't sign on it. Like, I mean, I was like yeah. in California in, in the early two aughts. Like, yeah, grandma can sign on your first lease and that's totally okay. But like your average person in New York has to like own Fort Knox in order to get like a 900 square foot bathroom to live in. And that's, you know, that's just ridiculous. And it's, you know, causing increased houselessness, uh, which increases costs to the county because then now taxpayers will have to fund programs to um, provide services to those that are now living in their cars, living on the streets, um, and you know mental health services because of the anxiety and stress and depression that the systems that we've built um, that are just you know causing it, it's increased economic uh, disparity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't I don't know if you saw um, recently. Um, one of the one of the things that we worked on it, it's it's a band-aid, um, but it's something that will help some people, um, particularly those that are, you know, living in their cars who have jobs, um, provide them a safe place to sleep. Oh yeah, um, the and that's, new parking lot yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so that's the pilot that pilot program near the police station, near MEO, which has all the services, the Cameron Center. Um, and so I, I think that's you know, a good first step to helping those that we're all, (laughs) so many of our community members are just, you know, one paycheck away from being houseless ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm surprised that we kind of went through a, a downslope in, in third space parking lots across America. Cause I mean, it was, it was up until about like the early 20 teens that like Walmarts across America were legally third spaces and was part of their, their corporate plan, you know? And then now it's become mm-hmm. like, nobody wants the homeless anywhere and you have to give incentives to kind of help take care of, you know, the people who need it the most in our community. And I, I'll have to say that working in, um, you know, uh, homeless outreach myself, like spaces like that are really important. Just even knowing 
that like you can have a full night's sleep without having to look mm-hmm. over your shoulder means a lot to those folks. Exactly. Especially, you know, for like our women and our families, um, if, you know, a woman escaping, you know, an abusive relationship and being close to, um, you know, the police station and having that kind of like safety and security. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think some, some people will generalize um, what, um, you know, a houseless p- person looks like, or, you know, what, what they imagine. And that becomes mm-hmm. the general rule. Yeah. Um, and it, it, but it's important that we as a community understand that it's not just one type of houseless individual, it, you know, um, that those that are experiencing being unsheltered at the moment, um, have, it just, there's such a variety of, you know, people, um, whether it it is you know those that are experiencing mental health uh, crises, mm-hmm. um, you know whether it's someone that um, perhaps ha- you know had some medical bills that they couldn't pay, couldn't pay their rent, and now they're in their car. Yeah. There, there's so many different situations because um, it you know it, it was kind of heart- heartbreaking uh, to see a lot of community members come out against uh, on social media. Not, yeah, no, um, I, council, I agree with you on, on that because, media. you know, all, all the people active in the community kind of know what it really is. Uh, I feel that there's a lot of negativity in the uh, the response on social media, which is crazy because, like, we, we, we've gone through how many economic storms in the past 20 years. And you would think by now that, like, the working class would at least be able to cry for itself in that retrospect. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I feel that, like, the level of stress that everybody's put under – it's now, uh, well, if I have to suffer, then you have to suffer too, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, and it's showing up in a lot of places where we're just trying to alleviate something as simple as like, I mean, why shouldn't people have a roof over their head, you know? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people's response, their knee jerk response is, oh, you're taking something away from me, you know, because uh-huh. people are always going, oh, well, it's going to come out in my taxes. And it's like the taxes, you know, they're not changing or they haven't gone up. It's like, where are we putting the tax money? You know, mm-hmm. you know, I feel yep. that there's a lot of cases where people just don't realize that like things get moved around or certain things got to get appropriated different years and times. And, and this is the case now we need to look out for a homeless. So why doesn't that money go towards that? Absolutely. And, you know, um, I talked about our, you know, property tax reform and the restructuring of it. And I think, um, you know, we've been able to figure out a way to provide, um, you know, residents and, and those that really need that, um, that relief, that relief, uh, in property taxes. And then, you know, because it's tiered. And so um, those that, um, you know, need the help, you know, we're able to provide that help. And then those that um, can and should be paying more, um, you know, because, you know, they're part of exacerbating the problem in, um, you know, taking housing stock and house hoarding, um, that, you know, they, they pay more because of, uh, the situations that it's causing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, you know, there's, there, there is a lot of like, um, house hoarding going on and it is a very profitable business. Um, oh, and you know, it's for noticeable. Some I will have to say as someone who's trying to like, you know, I mean, I'm lucky to say that like, I'm working enough that I'm kind of like in a vagabond state, you know, I rent a little space and then I'm on the road. But, like, I'm trying to make that long-term plan of, like, how do I 
like work on and live in Maui and like I see mm-hmm. all these places that are obviously like emptier in transition but then you go on like the housing apps you talk to the real estate agents and it's like oh we've got these five choices and it's like bro where what about all these other empty spots on the island mm-hmm. exactly and you know and so what's happening um, is like with the house hoarding, you know, um, these these um, absentee owners with the that move for fractional ownership uh, with Picasso, and um, it, it it's just more of the you know the that tourism industry and commodification of our housing stock, um, and it causes the community to then feel desperate, mm. and when that happens. Um, we then you know the community is just like well we just we need more housing um but building more housing without the proper safeguards is not going to solve the problem we can't just build 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 without ensuring that these housing um are going to go to our residents and so you know there there has been some safeguards put in place to uh create um a housing list that um, prioritizes those that have lived on Maui for a longer period throughout their life. Um, For those that um, are, you know, doing um, long-term rentals. So um, we, we can't build just anywhere and everywhere at all costs and any costs. We can't be building in, flood zones you know um we need to ensure that when we we're building that there's um appropriate amount of water um ensuring that the the uh, sewer systems um have the carrying capacity and you know moving away from injecting into the ocean (laughs) so so many systems um you know really need to be brought up to the you know 21st century um that you know it 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 was better than it was uh back in the 70s but we're in the 2020s now and um you know these these are all systems in place that um we just we we just need to make sure that it's addressing the the actual problem Mm -hmm. and we're not just building so that people have, you know, um, construction jobs that, um, we're building luxury houses, you know, that we're building houses that our people can afford. fast-paced world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles. But thanks to Newsly, you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read. By utilizing AI technology, a natural human voice reads you the news, helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently. Newsly provides the latest news updates 24-7, letting you browse articles from topics you choose. It even has podcasts, including ours. And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first 30 days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. 
So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. So we, we got just a little bit of time here, and you mentioned it, and I, and I feel we can delve into a little bit before you have to go. Maybe we'll talk about it again, because this is, this is definitely, like, this is going to open, so this is opening a, a Pandora's box that could lead to many conversations, but, like, I feel like it, it's at least worth mentioning before you go, but, like, you brought it up with the housing is water, access to water. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I don't think people understand how bad it is sometimes. And I think that like, especially since people are a lot of out of sight, out of mind until it affects them, that they don't understand how, how much of a, a crisis it leans toward really. So, I mean, could you one enlightened slash two, like inform on like how we're tackling this? Absolutely. And thank you so much for going through all the charter. <laughs> um, proposals because it's gonna it's also gonna be on the ballot and there's uh was it 14 i gotta check the number again um because there are a number of um proposals and then there are two that have alternates Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) so that the the more education the better but regarding water um so there are um Two things that um, I've been working on. One is a a charter amendment proposal that would establish uh, county community water authorities. And this proposal would immediately stand up a community board for the East Maui region. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this is in regards to the East Maui irrigation system. Um, These systems go through... um, a lot of public lands, so state and county uh, lands, and there are water leases. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, um, have been watching that whole battle uh, with A and B um, controlling the water and mm-hmm. then selling it off to uh, the foreign, you know, um, based entity um, that you know calls itself Mahipono. It's a Canadian pension fund um, entity and. It um, demands so much water that it dewatered a lot of, you know, the central Maui Plains uh, where it was um, sugarcane was farmed for decades. Um, that it dewatered a lot of the streams in East Maui, uh, you know, Kianai, Nahiku, um, Huelo, Honomanu, and a lot of the generational kalo farmers in those locations uh, weren't able to pass on that practice of kalo farming um, to their next generation and, um, you know, fought for the um, stream restoration. And many kupuna have passed on already and never got to see their streams restored. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this... This is a um, an urgent issue with the DLNR having the water leases 
that are up. And the council expressed its interest in the water leases um, that are associated with the East Maui water irrigation system. Uh, The mayor in um, candidate forums has, uh, you know, expressed his um, support of it, but um, so far hasn't uh, entered into an intergovernmental agreement with um, the state, with DLNR, CWARM, um, to secure these water leases. Um, the water leases uh, were under A and B and are on, uh, under um, Mahipono. And um, I think, it, you know, the community has asked for this for, for too long already uh, to have a say in what happens um, with our public trust, our water. Yeah. And, and so this charter proposal will establish a community board that would then um, have the power to hire and fire the director of a water authority of that district. Mm-hmm. And so it immediately um, enables the um, board to have a director for East Maui. Um, the language also enables uh, other districts such as, um, you know, Maui Komohana, West Maui, uh, Navai Eha region, uh, Molokai, uh, to in the future set up water authorities uh, if those uh, districts um, would like to. And then it wouldn't need to be a charter amendment, it would be um, a council ordinance. So um, making it easier for the community, easier and quicker for the community to stand up a water authority to better represent its interest um, when it comes to water. And it's, again, you know, the commodification of our, our public trust, our public resource is water. Yeah, well, and, it's, and for how much it goes to waste, you know, for some, mm. of, for some of these ag projects to nowhere for experimental crops and then to all of these resorts that just get to double pump their water for half the price. So like, I feel that there's, you know, anything that can make a, a hit into that any way, shape or form, I think is a positive change. I agree. The second thing that I am working on, um, and the board of water supply will be taking it up on this Thursday is the idea of establishing a category for um in our water rate structure mm-hmm. uh to create a category for um hotel and resort and um this this does exist in a private system uh, but it does not exist in a county system and the way that our water rates are set up is that um for single family residents uh there are four uh tiers and the last tier is um, about $6, $6 something um, per thousand gallons. And that fourth tier, um, which is single-family uh, residents, uses more than 35,000 gallons in the month, and it starts getting paid that highest rate. Mm-hmm. That fourth tier does not exist for hotels and resorts. And <laughs> that, that's just wrong. Um, and the reason it, it doesn't is because 
there are, you know, basically those uh, two categories for potable water. It's single family residents and all other users. And so the uh, tourism industry, the hotels and resorts are lumped into multifamily, apartment. And so, you know, we understand not wanting to increase um, those rates on our residents, um, but for those that are making huge profits off of our water mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, have multiple pools, water features, a green lawn that, you know, those upcountry look down on when they're on severe water restrictions, it, it's it's just inequitable. And so um, the Board of Water Supply will be taking up the um, issue of establishing a tourism, sorry, uh, take a temporary investigative um, group to work um, with with me and the department on establishing what this new um, category will look like and how it'll work. And then from there, um, doing a water rate study with this new category so that we know that it'll be sustainable for the water department. And um, I think this, it you know, is long overdue. <laughs> Absolutely. So that um, we're conserving our water better. You know, we're, we're, it, when water is so cheap, it it can be easily abused. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just it's taking you know so much of um, the South Maui. Um, South Maui system comes of water system comes from central Maui comes from Navaeha. And so, you know, those residents, again, a lot of the kalo farmers in those areas are, are having to give up their water so that it can be pumped to South Maui and then, you know, put into pools um, or water features down in the South Maui resorts. Um, and, you know, those they, they like to have, you know, green lawns and um, don't don't think about uh, the impact that it's having on where the water came from and the damage that it's done to the entire ecosystem of um, Navaeha. And so um, in setting up this um, hotel resort uh tax category for water rates. Um, the hope is for better conservation and, um, you know, cause it'll, it'll act as a deterrence. If it costs more, maybe they'll conserve better and they'll have uh, more water efficient toilets, showers, um, you know, maybe they'll have fake grass instead, <laughs> instead of real grass and, and uh, pumping all that water that way. Um, and, um, it'll generate more revenue for our department of water supply as they're trying to find new water sources and all of that costs millions of dollars. Wow. A uh, <laughs> lot to, a lot to absorb with that. And I think we're going to have to, we're, we're, we're definitely going to have to talk about <laughs> that more and in detail and try to like break it down easier for everyone. And I definitely want to go over those ballot measures with you too. So I definitely look forward to having you back on. Is there anything you'd like to leave the community to think with before we, uh, we talk to you again? I just one more charter amendment proposal that I'm really excited about, which is the establishment of the um, OEV resources with the department of OEV resources. Um, and 
you know, the community has really um, come forward in um, um, advocating for what's in the Hawaii Constitution, which is, you know, um, bringing our county into a, 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 you know, becoming a bilingual government. Olelo Hawaii is an official language, mm-hmm. but it's not used in 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 any official capacity. We just uh, hired our uh, first uh, communications specialist that um, has Olelo Hawaii um, background. And so uh, you'll see communications coming out from the council that will be in Olelo Hawaii now. Um, and I'm really excited about that too. And uh, the halal of OEV arts that's been proposed, uh, finally giving uh, hula a home. And again, you know, you know, with, with tourism, when um, they want to uh, showcase Hawaii, what do they use? They use hula because it's so distinctly Hawaiian. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, hula has never been given the kind of uh, investments that it's it's deserved. So I'm really excited that all these um, projects are, you know, moving forward uh, with so much community support. And I would, and I'll leave it there until the next time we talk story. Right on. Well, I'll make sure to uh, put the links to the campaign, your social medias that we have from last time in the show notes. Kiani, mahalo for coming on. Mahalo, Kavika. Aloha. Aloha. I'll talk to you next time. I look forward to it. Shoot. Hoo!